Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm... What the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. I am taking this week off. I ran the Killington Ultra this past weekend, and it's been hectic and didn't feel like scheduling anybody. And Leanne suggested, well, why don't I just interview you? Actually, it was Zach Wiz's idea. It was Zach Wiz's idea, and you said that would be cool. And so Leanne is going to interview me, and I'm going to make it as tough as possible for her. (laughs) With really short answers, oh, so great. she can see what I have to go through sometimes. Whatever. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Don't do me like that. I won't do you like that. So, Leanne's been on the podcast several times, and she is going to be running the show, and I'm going to be the guests. And it starts right now. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so... Everyone knows we ran the Killington this weekend. Uh, Scott ran the Ultra Beast, and I ran the Beast. They don't call it the Ultra Beast anymore. It's just the Ultra. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, you did. No, I'm used to still being the... Don't argue in front of everybody. Ultra Beast. Well, what's the difference? It's not a difference. I mean, it's still long as hell. It is. So Everybody still calls it the Ultra Beast. I'm just giving you hell, because I love you. Oh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Love you too. So, Scott, um, I have some questions for you. Um, so, I don't know, but when was the first time you ran Killington? Uh, in 2018, we ran it the first time. You were there. Oh, that was the first time you went? So, it was when I ran the sprint on that Sunday. Yes. Y'all had, that was the first time you had ever ran an yes. ultra in Killington. Yes, it was. What was your experience like then? Um, then it was one of those races. I mean, at that time, you know, I'd already ran New Jersey Ultra twice. So, and you hear all the horror stories of Killington. And that was when we flew into Boston on Friday, not knowing shit about driving away from the Boston airport. And we got in all that traffic, and we couldn't make packet pickup. And Patrick Davies was following us in his Dodge Charger, and he kept holding his hand up in front of the sun because he forgot that the car had a sun visor, and it was the funniest shit ever. That's funny. <laughs> I remember that. And uh, so, you know, and it was just, and what was crazy about it is, is when you drive up to that venue, you see those mountains, and you're like, oh shit, I'm about to climb up those hills. But we didn't see that because we started in the dark, you know, so we didn't see the hills that we were about to climb. We showed up, put our drop bins up, and, and, you know, we went to town on that race. And, you know, and... Did we not, did they not have open house then? Did we not go to that? 
Oh, they probably did have an open house, but we got there late, remember? We missed packet pickup because of the traffic in Boston. Oh, yeah, and there was a wreck, too, so we did. That's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, and so, and then the next year, we flew into Boston on Thursday so we could make packet pickup. Yeah. This year, for everybody out there, that if you're flying up from the south, you know, it's expensive to fly into Burlington, Vermont, and but it's super close. I think it's only like, what, a 45-minute drive to Killington from Burlington. But this year, we flew into, I, I want to say it was Hartford, Connecticut, but it was like the Bradley Airport or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we flew in there, and it was cheaper than flying into Boston. It was the same drive like you were coming from Boston. It was like two hours and 45 minutes. The rental car was cheaper at that airport. And there was no traffic, so we were able to fly in on Friday and save a lot of money. I think everybody should fly to Connecticut anyways, just so they can experience the train guy with us. Oh, my God. The one that took us to the rental car place. Yeah, we had this... We had this guy that... So, like, it was weird. That was the only thing about it that was weird. So, most airports you go to, they put you on this big, like, kind of like a... You know, like a touring bus to go to the the rental car lot. But at this... Uh, airport they put you on these little like short buses and uh, you have to get on the bus that's going to your brand rental car if you've already you know saved rental car and this guy he says if you're standing up and I was the only one on the bus standing up he's like if you're standing up hold on because I drive real fast (laughs) and he wasn't crazy and at first I was just holding on to like one pole at first and he wasn't shitting i i grabbed two i grabbed two poles you know in the bus to stand up on real quick and he, he slammed on brakes went around the curves fast i was waiting for all the luggage to like fly out of the rack, he racks was funny. he was entertaining though yeah he was pretty cool but he, was he really... i mean and it wasn't but like a mile drive so it, it was super close to the airport too. yeah it took him like five minutes to get there yeah it probably exactly. would have taken him like 10 i think he told us that like... we'll be there in like two minutes is what he said yeah yeah, it was that pretty was funny. Yeah, but it was super. Everything about flying into that airport was way easier than flying into Boston. So, and like when you wouldn't think that would be a quicker route to get to Killington, but it was almost an, a direct straight shot. So, if you plan on doing that race in the future, I strongly suggest you know when you want to save money, you know, flying to that airport. Yeah, I liked going to Connecticut better. It was a whole lot easier than going oh, to yeah. Boston. Boston's a headache. Oh, yeah. Going through all those tunnels, leaving the Boston yeah. airport was really I rough. I thought Atlanta was bad. Boston is Oh, yeah. I'd rather, fly through, I'd rather drive through Atlanta than drive away from the airport in Boston any, any day. So, but, well, okay, so back up. So, to your first Ultra Beast that you did in Killington, what was your experience then? Because I thought I remember you saying when you finished, you never wanted to go back to Killington. So, See, I don't remember that then. Did I? I think you I did. I know I said it in 2019. Yeah, so I think... I know Michael said he didn't want to go back after 2018. Yeah. But still, both of y'all have decided to venture into this year going back. What made y'all decide to do that after... Well, especially well, so after the year y'all had. I think Patrick... You know, Patrick decided at transition in 2018 that he did not want to continue. Yes, I remember that because I even was though, there. Even though Michael was there trying to say, Michael was at transition. He said, come on, Patrick, I'll stay with you. We'll do it together. And Patrick said, no, he did not want to. So after that, Patrick decided, 
we had talked about it and Patrick said he wanted to go back and try it again. And so me and Michael had already signed up for 2019 and I think something happened and Patrick couldn't go. So yeah. that was why we went again. And then you run the beast that year. Yes. And then I think I we, ran it with Molly. Yeah. Me and Molly ran it mm-hmm. together. Josh's that year. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was rainy and it was cold and it sucked. But yeah. What do you think your experience this year was different than the years past whenever you ran it? If so, what what experience was different from this year versus years past? Um, I'm trying to think, you know, because every year is really tough. You know, the first year, it's it was all about, can I finish this race? And... You know, there was no expectations. All I wanted to do was finish. And then the second year we went there, you know, the weather was bad. It was cold and it was windy. And, you know, it was pretty much the same thing. I was just, you know, as like when I interviewed Alex, Alex Sawicki, I think mm-hmm. that's how you say her last yeah, name. It is. Like when we did an ultra like prep for Killington, and I, I swear by this motto, motto that she said. And she said, when you go to Killington, your plan is to finish the race and everything else is a bonus. And so that's pretty much what I do. And like, I would say the second and third time I went there or this last time, you know, it's you, you mean you have to run when you can and, and hike when you have to. Mm -hmm. Or walk when you have to. So, I mean, and that's what you have to do there to finish this ultra. And I mean, and when I say that, it's like even on the death march, there's that one little flat place where there's like where a car can or a truck can go by. Like you run that little section. I mean, it's not much, but, you know, just a little bit of jog here and there, it helps, you know, and. I didn't run any of the death march. None of the uphills. None of well, it. I usually will slow jog like the first little bit before it starts getting really steep. Yeah. And um, and which, then, yes, it turns into a power hike. Which I didn't think the death march was this bad this year as it was the first year I did it. Maybe it was just the... Because I remember I struggled with it the first time I did it. Right. But this year it wasn't that bad. I don't know if it was because I've had experience Exactly. That's exactly Vermont. what it is. And I just knew what it was like. That's just like the lake swim. It wasn't as bad this year, which it wasn't quite as cold as it was the year before. Right. So, and and, and, and you talk about like past experiences, like the first experience with the death marches, you know, I've never done it before. So it was kind of frightening. Yeah. Whereas the second year I knew what to expect, you know, and I did it twice. So I've done it six times now. And it's like, you know what to expect, so it's not bad. It's like, you know, me and you, we've gone up Stone Mountain how many times? We're not afraid of that. We've no. done it. We know it. It's like, we've we've seen it enough to where we see this point. We know in our mind, well, it's not a whole lot further. Just like at Killington, when you get to that flat spot, you know it's not a lot further. See, I still don't even remember that flat spot. But I still feel like with Killington, there's still... Well, I say it's flat. It's probably still like a 10 or 15% incline. But it's yeah. like one of the flattest spots. It's like one of the first 
false summits there. Mm. I mean, I still feel like even though you experienced Killington from years past, I still feel like every year there's an ex there's something that you don't expect. That's like oh, I remember absolutely. running the sprint and going through that Christmas tree area, but I don't remember it when I ran the beast. And I don't remember that Christmas tree area sucking as bad as it did this past time. Yeah, see, no, I didn't remember that either. It seems like we went up a lot back. I think, what did they more. say? It's like mile, tw- mile, mile 12 or mile no, no, that 18 wasn't, that or something wasn't, like that. That wasn't where, they, where all those Christmas trees I know, but We're was, calling it Christmas trees, and everybody up there probably just calls them fur trees. Yeah, <laughs> but to well, us, they look like Christmas trees. Well, I mean, they are. But I remember going through them, and I remember thinking how I was like, okay, I'm ready to get to the top. But then it was like when you got to the top, you got you had some more mountain you had to climb. Right. Because I remember seeing Tyler McCready come up behind me, and there was another guy that was there that was still on his first lap for the Ultra Beast. He had not made transition yet. Right. And he was like, I remember him asking Tyler, well, is there much more up there? And he was like, yeah, there's a little bit more to go. And the yeah. guy just, I mean, he's just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do it. But I, f- mm. I couldn't imagine what it's like to be a first time ultra beast to try to run Killington and not have the experience of Killington beast itself. I feel like you have to experience the beast and then transition into an ultra beast. So it gives you some type of knowledge of how it could be right, or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, and because I think Ultra Beast is a totally different level. I mean, it is on a mental capacity. Even though I ran Mill Spring and it was not quite like that, I still feel like a little. Had the conditions in Mill Spring been like Killington, I feel like still Killington would have been a little bit of a harder race. I feel like the Ultra Beast in Mill Spring made it hard because of the weather conditions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Well, still, I mean, when you have to deal with a lot of elevation like that, it's going to make it a tougher race. And I forget who I was talking to, and I'm trying to remember. It could have been Izzy, or it could have been uh, could have been Strobel, but we were talking about going to Killington, and, like, my first race there was the Ultra, and we were talking about, like, some people would probably go there, and if they did the Beast for their first race there, they would probably get this mentality like, I'm never going to try an ultra here because the beast is so hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas we went there and the ultra is all we've done there, except for the sprint. You know, it, it's it's what we know. But me, like, I felt good enough running the New Jersey ultra because I ran it two times and I felt like my times were good enough there that I kind of knew I could finish the Killington Ultra mm-hmm. the first time we went there. Mm-hmm. I figured I might be out there all day and be the last one to finish, but I kind of had a good feeling I knew I could finish it. Mm-hmm. But it, and my advice to somebody who thinks they're kind of a slower ultra runner, that I would think that at Killington, if you don't want to spend the money and think you, you're not going to finish or go there first and run the beast and give it everything you got and just see how long it takes you to run the beast. And then, cause, and then figure out, well, if it took me this long to run, you know, the first lap and then double that time and then 
equal out your paces for the extra ultra loop and then add an hour to it because you're going to go slower on the second lap. So what if somebody has already ran several beasts and they decide they want to run an ultra beast and then they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm thinking about going to Killington and running the ultra beast there. Is there a specific ultra beast race that you would recommend somebody running to kind of prepare themselves a little bit for Killington? Now, I mean, I can't speak for all the ultras, but I mean, I'm sure Jersey. The ones that you've experienced. From the ones that I've done, Jersey is a very close race to Killington. The, the, the hills at Killington, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the climbs at New Jersey are not going to be as sustained or as long as the Killington climbs, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of technical running there. There's a lot of climbs there, and then there's a lot of steep climbs there, and there's a lot of steep descents, too. Yeah, I remember, because I ran the beast there, and I remember it being real slippery and real technical and stuff, and I remember going uphill a bunch. So, I mean, the best I can remember, I can't remember exact elevations I got at New Jersey, but I want to say it might have been like 4,000 feet shorter than Killington, so... Oh, that's still that's I mean, a lot. It's a big difference. A it's yeah. a big difference. Hmm. It's like I want to say my best time at New Jersey is like eight hours and something for that ultra, and my best time at Killington's like ten hours. Yeah. So it's a two-hour difference. But it's just and because at New Jersey there's still some flat running. Mm-hmm. At Killington, it's either you're going up or you're going down or you're going down. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of flat running at Killington no. at all. No, there's not. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, if there's flat running at Killington, it, I guarantee you there's probably not. I mean, maybe freaking two like miles within the yeah. I was about to say, I think within the first couple miles, there was like a section where you go up and you go across, and that was kind of flat, yeah, and then like, you went back up. Maybe just some flat sections on service roads, like. And, and, and that may be a, a reason why Killington is hard is because a lot of people, you know, will run an ultra by that motto, run the downs, run the flats, and walk all the ups. Mm-hmm. You can't do that at Killington because especially if you, you know, might be a slower runner too. Like you have to kind of get put that slow jog on these 15% and like 20% grades sometimes, you know. Just especially on those service roads, even if there's a little bit of incline to those service roads, you need to get it, especially on the first lap. Now, me, like on the second lap, I'm out of uphill running on the second lap. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Even if you, a lot of people, even if you make transition right there at the last minute, I mean, granted, they've been putting the ultra loop on the front half, but I think so this year. I was just under five hours coming into transition and, or maybe leaving transition. I can't remember, but it took me five hours and 30 minutes more to do the second half. Mm. So that shows you how much I bled on the second loop Mm -hmm. because it was a shorter loop. Like it was 13 and a half or 14 miles on the second loop, whereas we went almost 18 on the front mm-hmm. so it took me longer to run a shorter distance on the second half and I only failed one tired. obstacle yeah and yeah. there's way more traffic and you happen to go through all these other people and honestly you know everybody's cool about getting out of the way 
uh, you know, you usually just say ultra on your left, and, you know, you have no problems whatsoever. I don't think there was a single time that I got held up by traffic where it affected me, like, mm-hmm. more than a, a few seconds. There was one time where there was a lady that was getting on the Olympus wall that I did on the first lap, but by the time I got to Olympus, I was already so tired, I didn't mind waiting. Because yeah. I was like, well, I'll just muster up my grip and... And it was cool because she was she was using all of the holes at first and she got about halfway across and she started having problems and, and then I suggested that she went to the balls and she started going to the balls and she she actually able she was she made it and I was cheering her on. It was cool. Was so I was I was glad I got to see that too. Now with transition, like yeah, they give y'all a certain amount of time to get in and out. Now there's like this huge controversial thing going on about how the elites and the age group and the opens have different times uh allowance for transition and stuff like some people say the elites and the age groups get more time because they start earlier yeah so what's your opinion on that well i mean like how do you think that they could make it more fair for people because most people who run open are not super fast right so and then you also have a lot more traffic whenever you run open versus if you run elite or age groups so i honestly think they could have started elite and age group together Mm -hmm. because there was only like 16 or 18 people in elite so they could have sandwiched them in with the age group heat because Mm -hmm. the age group heat wasn't sold out it wasn't full so they could have started all of us together and that would have put, that would have helped give the open heat an extra 15 minutes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So that way, the last heat would have went out at 6.30 instead of 6.45. And you know, <laughs> and me and Michael were talking about this too. You know, the first year we went there, you know, we didn't know if we were going to finish. So we started in elite and, and you know, and I know now you have to qualify for elite, but you know, all you, I think now all you have to do is place like top 10 and age group mm-hmm. heat to qualify for elite. elite. And I, I know that's not extremely difficult on the women's side because their heats are so smaller anyway. And it, it's a little bit harder for the men, but we started in elite in 2018 just to get that extra, you know, 30 minutes, you know, because we wanted to make, we wanted every little second. We did the same thing in New Jersey the first year we went there too. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> granted, you know, if you fail, you have to do all your burpees and in open heat, you don't have to do that. Right. But yeah, you know, it's kind of a, it was kind of a raw deal because, you know, most of the open, they, they run the open wave because they are slower and, and you know, and they don't feel like they're up to the competitive standard or you know they're working their way to the competitive standard and they want to maybe you know save time and not do their burpees and stuff and that's cool but that's the bad thing about an ultra though is is because they're gonna like they had heat starting at 645 and i guess they could have helped that in transition to where you're an elite you started at six so your cutoff time is two yeah, but how would they keep track of that based off of their headbands? But then they would have to have more volunteers at the transition area. Well, I mean, there's only one per there's one person there 
that, I mean, coming out of transition is pretty tight. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, I'm just saying, like, how do you think, if, so if they decided to do that and allow a little bit more time for. Well, everybody had a band on that had their time that they started. So, I mean, it could have been one of those things where. Or you maybe know, they could do like a separate transition area for people who were running open. No, I mean, it, it, it was easy enough to where you could show your time band right there. And if like, if, if you were elite, you had your 6 a.m. band. And if it was under 2 o'clock, you could go through. And for age group, if you were under 6.15, you could go through. And for the open house, you could be 6.30 and 6.45, you could go through. Mm-hmm. Now, but here's the thing. So, if at 2 o'clock for the first wave, that's that eight-hour lap, I think, right? So, if you start at 6 and cutoff was at 2, that's eight hours. So, maybe they should... So, open starts at what time for... 6.45. So, maybe they should So, that would have been like seven hours and 15 minutes. So, maybe they should have made it like 2.45 or... That's what I'm saying, 2.45 for the open heat. But here's the thing. And you, that you got to think about because not everybody that because there's also people that are open racers that run in age groups just so they could get an earlier time and sometimes they still like right. really make the time cut I, I, right I, I mean and like i said they could have done that but at the end of the day the course closes at nine mm-hmm. so there's going to be a time hack that's going to be equal for all heats and yeah i mean it sucks because the open heat is the one that's getting the shaft because it's almost like the open heat has to be uh, faster. And if you go and look at all the times, the slowest time of the day was an age grouper. But the reason why is, is because they, they were able to start earlier and they had more time. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I think the, the slowest open heater was like 13 hours and something. But, and the only reason why is, is because due to all the cutoffs, you wouldn't have been able to get a 15-hour lap. Yeah. Whereas if you were running elite, you had 15 hours to finish that race, 6 to 9 o'clock. Well, we know that race was hard because, I mean, what were we told, like less than 35% people yeah, completed absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. the Ultra Beast? It was, it I mean, was a tough race. That's hard. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a but, lot of people that didn't complete it. Yeah. But, and here's another thing you got to think about, too. And I went and tried to figure it out looking at Strava times and looking at finish times. But most of the people that barely made transition, like most of them didn't finish. Because Mm -hmm. you got to think, if it took you seven hours, seven plus hours to finish that first loop, fatigue is going to catch up with you and your second lap is going to be even slower. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that it was like that case for everyone, but there was a lot of people, and and Jennifer even told us this, that a lot of people were on the sandbag at 9 o'clock when they got cut. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing about that, too. Yeah. That would be, like, a real bad bummer. I would would cry. Like, I would probably drop to my knees and cry. (laughs) I mean, it's a tough race, and like I said, I mean, my hat's off to anybody that even goes there and does the beast because I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying it's the hardest race. I've never done Tahoe. I've never done Utah and I've never done big bear. And all those ultras are really, really hard and they're at elevation too. 
But I'm just saying, over here on the East Coast, this is a tough race. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know Al's head has been heard. I've heard that it's even harder than in Killington. But it's just, you know, it's such a, it's an awesome test. And, you know, like, I, I mean, I've, I've made it. And, but every time I've done this race, maybe not the first time, but I, I remember the first time it's been so long since the first time I can't remember the feelings I felt in that race. But during the second lap of this ultra, the last time and this time, like it, it starts getting to where it's not fun and you just, I mean, it's, it turns into a mental game and it's, it's, it's hard. Like it gets emotional. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're out there and you, and me, I'll get these demons like, why am I doing this? And, you know, I'm tired and I just want to sit down and, you know, it gets it gets rough out there. Well, I didn't even run the Ultra Beast. I just ran the Beast. And, I mean, I think I stopped and cried a couple of times when I kept having to climb every mountain. And then yeah. getting on that sandbag carry. I remember coming out of that sandbag carry and I was looking. I saw Michael and Patrick and all them standing there. And I was like, man... Fuck this mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't do what y'all did. But like when you're in a position like that where you start having like demons in your brain, because everybody does that. You go into a deep, dark place when you're mentally being challenged and you're physically being challenged. What keeps you held together during that time? Like, like what is that experience like for, for with it being killing, being it's one of the harder races on the East Coast? What helps you fight off those demons in your head? So, for me personally, uh, coming into transition is like an awesome event Mm -hmm. during that race for me. And when I get there, you know, I do my thing, which usually I'm... Do you like do a dance or something? No, I don't do a dance. What's your thing? So, I get... I usually have a shaker cup right there and I have Endurly in it and I mix some of that IV liquid IV Mm -hmm. stuff that they give away at the race and it's really nasty, but it serves a purpose (laughs) and I'm usually trying to chew on food, but I'm breathing hard. So I was just walking around the transition pit drinking that and uh, I fist bumped everybody that was in the pit. And I was like, good job. Let's get back out there and get it done, you know, or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a cool thing. And, you know, I got to, I got to watch uh, Aaron Sunday cross the finish line. And I was hollering at her when I ran out of transition. She hollered back at me, and that was cool. And uh, a guy, I met Mark Nealon during, during the Ultra. And... And he told me that he's listened to the show too. So me and him, we ex- you know, exchange place all day long, you know, seeing each other. So it was really cool to run with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like starting the second lap, it's grueling because especially at this race, because in 2018, we didn't go uphill. We kind of went uphill a little bit and then went down towards the lake, you know. Mm, yeah. This race especially for 2019, there was way more sustained climbs. And when I say sustained, it's like you're on that hill going up for a long period of time. I mean, it was like on the ultra loop, the first lap, there was five long climbs. 
And then on the second lap, you had four long climbs. And, you know, that's just, it gets into your legs, it gets into your quads, it gets into your hamstrings, and it gets into your calves. And, you know, and it hurts. And, I mean, I can't, you know, run when my legs feel like that. So it's, and I just looked at it as every time I'd get to the top where it would flatten off a little bit, I would just kind of warm up into a run again Mm -hmm. where I would start just this little slow jog and just progressively get back up to, you know, a decent run. Now they swapped the lake swim. I think the 2019 they had it about mile three and this time they had it at about mile eight. eight. Yeah. Which one did you, did you like it better at the beginning of the race or end of the race? I honestly, I liked having the death march up front. Yeah, I did too. I like and having the swim last or kind of close to the end. I, I say that, but we had a pretty good death march before the death march on like the first mile. Yeah. And so, you there know. Was a few death marches in there. Yes, there was. And on the second lap, you know, when I got to the top of the death march, that was when I started getting like that second wind, like. You know, two of the big climbs are over with. I'm about to hit a technical downhill where I can really open up. And that was when I kind of got a second win. But those first four miles of the second loop, you know, you're really just kind of, you know, sucking it up and grinding and hating life. And like, man, I've got a long way to go. I'm tired. And all I want to do is sit down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the way I'm feeling at that point because... I come out of transition with uh, with Mark, and there was one other guy, and the first place female in elite was right there with us too, and like all of them had way better climbing legs than me, so I just let them walk off, you know, because I knew, you know, I just I didn't have no more running for my uphills. If it was a steep uphill, I wasn't running it. Like I could do like some small uphill grades. I knew I was going to have to make up all my time on the downhills and just like the service road running when I could. And that's pretty much what I did. But, you know, and another thing, and I do this most of the time at all the races I go to anyway. If anybody's ever passed me, I tell them good job. If I ever pass anybody, I tell them good job. But when I when I started the second loop, I told myself, I'm going to say something to everybody I pass Mm -hmm. or anybody that passes me. And, you know, and I mean, besides like when we come up to an obstacle and there was like 50 people there, I mean, like everybody I passed, I said, good job and keep it up, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially if I said, you know, ultra on your left, you know, I would always say, good job, y'all keep it up. I mean, Anybody who was at that race probably remembers hearing some redneck guy come by with a southern accent saying, good job, keep it up, because well, I did. I tried to make sure I told every ultra beast that came by, good luck, and they were doing yeah. a great job, because, I mean, that mountain sucks. And well, and it, and, and it benefits in both ways, because if they respond back, you know, or comment, like, it gets their head out of the race, mm-hmm. and, like, just for a second, they talk to me. And just for that second, I talked to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm thinking about their race. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about my race. And it's words of encouragement to where they might have been thinking, 
I mean, they could be in their head right then and there being like, this sucks, I want to quit. And then I run by them and say, hey, good job, keep it up. So it's just that couple of seconds that they're not thinking in their head, this sucks. Yeah. You know. I just hope that the ones that, because, I mean, on social media you see a lot of people feeling, the ones who did the ultra, feeling quite defeated because they didn't complete it. And I hope that these athletes realize that it is, um, it's encouraging to people who want to maybe one day be able to do that, to know that they had the strength and the, you know, the feeling to want to do something like that. I just hope that the ones who didn't finish, who DNF'd, know that it's still inspiring regardless of what their position was. And I hope that they don't decide not to ever do it again. Because I've seen where some athletes have have kind of feel a little defeated about it. And it's, I mean, it's a very respectable thing to have tried and then to DNF than to have not ever tried at all. Well, I mean, they shouldn't because you got to think that first, that first loop was 18 miles and 8,000 feet. That's I mean, a lot. that's, that's an awesome race in itself. And like, it was, it was tough. Like I could tell coming into the transition, I was like, I know for a fact that took me longer than the last two races mm-hmm. I've done here. Now you pulled your hamstring in West Virginia. Did I that did. any of that ever like run through your mind while you were in Killington? Did it ever start to bother you and you'd be like, "Oh fuck, what am I going to do now?" So I was like super paranoid about my hamstring and you know, I almost I was thinking about like transferring this ultra to another race and maybe just doing the beast with you and you know because I took the whole week off after West Virginia I didn't run or nothing I was able to do the stair climber because that didn't bother it mm-hmm. and I want to say the week leading up to Killington I ran that Tuesday yes I ran that Tuesday and then I ran that Wednesday morning and it, like I said, it bothered me both of those days running. Mm-hmm. And then I took, I took, maybe I run Thursday morning too. I guess maybe I ran a little bit Thursday morning too. Mm-hmm. Because yes, I did. Because it was raining one morning and I went to the gym and ran. Oh yeah. I so I ran a little bit Thursday morning too. Ed. It, like I said, it just felt like there was a bruise on the back of my leg. Somebody was pushing every time my foot would make contact to the ground. So, yeah, I was pretty worried about it. But, you know, I don't know if it was just adrenaline or maybe the, a leave I took before the race. But, you know, going into the race, like, I would feel it a little bit, like, on the service roads that were, like, downhill and you could really open up your stride like yeah. i had to like uh, back off of that and made sure i ran at a faster cadence but i honestly i was i was blessed i didn't have like some really bad problem pains with it it actually yeah. held up really good i know i was worried about you because i remember when i saw tyler coming up the um mountain i was like have you seen scott 
And he was like, not yet. Hell Meg's no. seen you. Meg has seen you. <laughs> How was Tyler going to see me when he was in front of me probably like an hour ahead? Well, I figured he maybe passed you on his second loop. No. I mean, he's fast. But, I mean, Megan yeah. told me that she had seen you. And so, I I mean, that's the only person I ever saw that. Yeah, I saw that, her at the top of the death march. Uh, Megan? Yeah, she was at the rig. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw her at the rig. Yeah. I was thinking of Michelle. Oh, Melly. No. Yeah, Melly. No. Yes, she was a good little cheerleader. Yeah. She had, you know, surprises for everybody. Yeah. That's really cool, though. That is something I do, I think is really, really neat, is seeing people at the top of the death march, the spectators and stuff, them being up there and cheering you on yeah. and just being super positive about it. It makes that it's climb so cool unique. It's cool to me. It, yeah. It's very cool. There was some guy up there, that I guess, that knew a lot of people because he was screaming really loud down at some people and i don't i I don't remember anything he said but i just remember laughing coming up because it was funny hearing him scream down the hill mountain at people yeah what do you think about um spartan doing the penalty loops now versus people doing instead of all the obstacles having the burpee penalties i don't have a problem with it but the punishment's got to be you know, the loop has to be long enough. Equivalent to what 30 burpees would be. Right. And some people say a minute. No, I think the penalty loop needs to take two minutes plus. Yeah, because I don't, I mean, because I, I, can't bur- I can't bust out 30 burpees in two I would minutes. Ra- I mean, even if, I would rather run for two minutes extra than do 30 burpees. Because 30 burpees is going to gash you out. Hell yeah, it does. That's why I say, I mean, I think it needs to be. Like, cause like, I honestly think that the run almost needs to be like three minutes mm-hmm. or like almost a quarter mile. Yeah. but then And I know have... that's hard to do extra tape for or either run, make, make it go up a real steep hill. Now that's cool. Or like a little small sandbag carry. But I mean, that's something you have to have a bunch of bags for. So you can't do that, but it just, it has to be long enough to where it takes longer so like if if you decided you don't want to flip the tire and you have to do like a penalty run if you just go and touch the tire it should take you the amount of time to flip that tire and to do 30 burpees to do that penalty run yeah but then what if you have somebody who is like slower like me versus someone who is maybe like a somebody who's a faster runner it would take you faster you would be faster at running that loop regardless of how long it is versus it would me you know what i mean i mean i i agree with you so say like let's just say theoretically they do a quarter mile for a loop and that would take you what less than four minutes to run it it would probably take me longer than that because your stride and everything else is a lot different than mine but they can't they can't. So why don't they just keep it at doing burpees? I mean, I appreciate the penalty loops. I like the penalty I mean, loops. Yeah, I'd rather do the penalty loops too. But I think, yeah, the. But the reason why I feel like they're doing penalty loops is because to keep it it's fair. It's less burpees they got to count. Yeah. It's less marshals they got to have because it's a lot of work to, you know, put oh, those headbands up in front of the cameras, and then they've got all these burpees they got to count, and you know they're having trouble getting volunteers too. So. It helps them 
you know, to go through well, with yeah. all of them. I agree. I just, I mean, you know, I guess it's just, you're never going to have anything that's absolutely 100% fair. And back to what you're saying is about slower runners and fast runners. You have to go off of the fast runners. And the reason why I say that is because it's like if Lindsey Webster or Ryan Atkins decides that if they look over there and see, well, shit, that penalty loop is, you know, only a tenth of a mile, I can save my energy and just run through that real fast than trying to get through this obstacle. Right. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like going through Olympus or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to base it off the fast runners because you don't want to give them an advantage by doing a penalty. Yeah. I think, see, like, I think it was Olympus that was at the top where it had a penalty loop where you went down and you come around and you went back up a little hill. I, think I don't that's know. I didn't have to do it. <laughs> well, I did. I mean, I got halfway through and I fell. And I damn sure went about to try Twister because it eats my hands up. Yeah, and Twister was three sections. And when I saw that, I, I was like, was whoa. I can't remember what I haven't seen was. a three-section Twister in a long time. I can't remember the last time we had a three-section Twister. It's been so long. Okay. It hasn't been any this year. Mm-mm. I don't think we had a three-section no. Twister last year. Mm-mm. Not for the races we went to. I really wish they would bring back Open House so that people can practice on stuff like that because i mean it'd be fun it was nice back then yeah the open houses were fun but i guess that you know and it but if you think about it this way if you want to practice the obstacles they have that obstacle specialist course too so where is it at they do it on fridays it's like Uh, 200 or 300 dollars and you can go and walk around with an SGX coach and they tell you how they teach you how to do the obstacles. Uh, no offense, but I'm cheap. I'm not paying that. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But I think that... And I mean, I think they have great SGX coaches too. Yeah. Because we know a few of them. You know, but the benefit for the open house was is everybody could come and they could shop and do stuff like that yeah, too. Yeah, it was but, nice seeing people at the open house. Yeah, it was cool just having a hangout to me mm-hmm. and... Getting to see the obstacles the day before the race so you could plan out some strategies was kind of cool, too. Well, did you have a favorite part that you liked about Killington? Was there a part of it where you were, like, looking forward to, kind of, before the race? Or you just kind of uh, felt I mean, you always look forward to trans. You I always guess. feel look forward to coming into transition because it's a halfway point. And it's if more than that is you know the hardest part of the race is over with because you've done the ultra loop and you've done the first lap. So all you have to do is just drive it home. So you always look forward to transition in any ultra no matter what. But something that I was looking forward to that was great was the weather was awesome. Mm-hmm. And when we come to the top of those climbs that early in the morning, the sun had just barely come up. So we were able to see some awesome views of the sunrise just coming up over the mountains, and that was yeah. just beautiful. That's probably one of my favorite venues to go to is because the views are just gorgeous up there. They're just they're great. I, I love them. It's really pretty, pretty up there. But I was looking forward to, like, they had some really good technical downhills that I was able to bomb, and, and that was pretty fun. And I learned not to step on any of those like down trees that didn't have no mm-hmm. bark on them because if you stepped on those and they were at an angle, you'd bust your ass. I busted my ass probably eight or nine times. I think I slid down one of the trails. I mean, it was like super, super muddy, but there were people being really, really slow, and I just, which is fine, 
but I just hopped down on one of the things and I was trying to walk down it and then when I walked I slipped and I said Shroop, and I just slid on my ass and I was like well that's one way to get down it yeah there was one part I slid on my ass too I want to say it might have been that technical downhill that was after the mile 12 hill because that hill got chewed up and then on Sunday they cut that mile 12 hill out of the beast I altogether know. I know and I decided I didn't want to do the beast on Sunday even though I signed up for it because Michael and Annie did it but uh shoot we probably should have done it we should have done the sprint well I was signed up for the sprint but as much as walking around as we did we probably could have uh-huh. done it because we but it was fun spectating was fun, and spectating. seeing everybody and I wish the weather would have been better that way we could have got some good pictures and views at the top I thought I mean uh, maybe not quite so cloudy but I mean I think the weather felt great yeah I mean so, our next race is what? Well, Savage next weekend. Oh, yeah. Savage, Georgia. Savage. And then what's our next Spartan? Snashville. Snashville. <laughs> Snashville. And that's a super in a sprint? Super sprint. And then two weeks after that, Conyers, super sprint weekend. And then Carolina in November will be our last race. Because we got a wedding to go to. Your brother getting married. Oh, so. In December. Question of the day. Are you going to go back to Killington? I know you have told me and everybody else you will never do another Ultra Beast there. But I have literally heard that for the past three years and you have always gone back. So, looking back at it today, knowing what you know now and being you've recovered a little bit from it. Will you still say you will never go back and do an Ultra Beast there? I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not uh-huh. going to say. I'm going to change. Uh-huh. Like I knew this was next coming. year, like if we go to Killington in 2022, I'm doing the Beast both days. You're not doing the Ultra Beast at all. Or I might do Beast Sprint. You're not do doing the Ultra group. Beast at all. Not next year. I'm going to take a year off because if Patrick. So if Michael calls you. Or Patrick calls you and says, hey, man, let's do the <laughs> Ultra Beast. And you say, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, I will go up there with them and I will run the Beast. Because, so, that was Patrick and Michael ran age group. And they wanted to get revenge because Michael got hypothermia and right, his I'm blood right. pressure he it got toxic awful. shock syndrome or something, and he had to... T- <laughs> I was like, what is that? Forgot. <laughs> he had oh to tap God. out because his blood pressure got too high in 2019, and Patrick decided to quit in 2018, so they were coming back this year because they wanted to get the buckle. And they missed cut off by like 15 minutes. And yeah. we were looking at their paces today, like today. Their moving time paces... They were right. I mean, they were on point, but, you know, they... Uh, so where does Michael think that they went wrong at? Or does he know? Or is he not real sure? Um, They just think that... I mean, they they think that they if, if they would have made cutoff, they figured... If they would have been allowed to keep going, they think that they would have finished. And that, you know, yeah. so... And I believe it. Because they were moving good, and Michael said both of them Man. felt good. Yeah. You know, and I really hate it for them. I really do, because this was both of them wanting to come back and, you know, get revenge on this course. Yeah. And uh, But I think both of them were pretty humbled with their decision, though. 
Right. Well, I mean, they didn't have a decision because they were cut. I mean, I know, but still. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like I said, you know, you have to take, you have to take some risk on the downhills and you have to run when you, you have to run when you can hike when you have to. So, I mean, is you have to take advantages. I of, think I ran all the down or jogged all, most of the downhills. Yeah. I'm just not a fast hiker. Yeah. And so, I mean, it took me a while, but I think, and then I got caught up in traffic on the trails, which is fine, right. but I mean, whatever. Most of the downhills I ran though, or all of them. Yeah. I mean, I was really shocked when I, I mean, when I come across the finish line and, or not the finish line, but it was right before, before Hercules hoist and I saw y'all over there and I saw Michael and Patrick over there. I kind of got mad for a second because I just, I thought that they had decided to quit. Yeah. I figured, yeah. I figured they made transition. Yeah. yeah. That's and, why uh, I came out of the sandbag here and I was <laughs> like, what are y'all doing? And I said, I said, did y'all quit again? I was like, I'm not fucking coming up here again. Because, <laughs> man, I tell you what, like, and I remember because Izzy was, we were going up, me and Izzy were going up that hill right there at mile 12, which it was like, I don't know, mile 15 for us on the first loop. And uh, I just remember I told them, I was like, this right here is going to suck come mile 30. Yeah. You know, yeah, and uh, and then having that sandbag at the end because that sandbag was pretty tough. What was muddy and it yes. was sticky and it was sloshy and it was just it was every man. I watched people fall on Sunday, right, toting that sandbag up and down. I almost fell, but I didn't. Uh, so I think I grabbed a men's sandbag because mine was heavy, like oh, super man. heavy. Man, the buckets were heavy. They felt oh, like they were the filled to the that bad. brim. And the the sandbags felt like they got rained on. They Maybe that's they why it was heavy. they were heavy. They were heavy. But I remember, you know, when I got to that last hill, you know, I saw the, I saw one girl. She was crab walking backwards up the hill, you know, and I don't remember. Up what hill? The sandbag hill? No, the twelve uh, mile hill that was really steep. Oh my god. She was. She was crab walking backwards up the hill. And, uh, like, you know, I did I did well on this race. and Yeah, you did really good. But it's it really got in my head kind of more than it did in years past. Like, I remember finishing it in 2019. And, and it's like you said, I said I wasn't going to do it again. Because it's like on that second loop, it's like, I don't know, me personally, like there comes a point to where, you know, this isn't fun. I've done it before. I don't have nothing to prove. I can quit, you know? Yeah. I mean, you just start getting all these negative thoughts in your head, just like, you know, slow down, stop, sit down, you know? And like, I did well in 2019 and I'm happy with what I did, but... I still feel like, like I've, I had a loss, you know, and it doesn't make sense, but I just feel like it beat me in a way Mm -hmm. because like, I don't remember, you know, I stopped at all the water stations because I chose not to run with a hydration pack because I just, 
I hate having the added weight and I haven't found anything that doesn't bounce when you're running with water. So I ran without water. So, you know, besides just picking up a cup of water and walking with it and throw it in a trash can, I usually don't stop in ultra races. I'm always moving. But like on this race, like I, I actually, you know, and I'm sure I didn't sit down more than a minute, but I sat down and that just felt like, you know, in a way it was like a little cut of me giving up. You know, yeah, I in, feel like that that's like, especially if somebody goes into transition and they sit, I feel like that gives your body time to kind of relax it out and then you kind of get tired. It's kind of like working all damn day long and, yeah. and then you sit on the couch, you don't want to go fucking work out or do anything. So, and running those races, I'm sure is way harder. And then when you sit there and you contemplate everything, especially if you're already in a mind fuck position. Right. But, like, I mean, I've never set a bucket down in a race. I've never done that. I didn't yeah. do it this one. Like, I'm, I might have leaned back and l let it sit on my quad, but I've never, you know, took a knee. I've never set a bucket down, you know. I mean, I've dropped sandbags before. But... Yeah, I dropped sandbags. Like, you know, I can remember every single place where I sat down. Like, there was one aid station that had a honey stinger waffle... And I put one leg up on the table and, you know, ate the honey stinger waffle and drank water, you know. And there was, and I was talking to some people there for a second. And like the next time I sat down, like I put a leg on the Olympus wall and just, you know, I could have went to a different wall, but the strategy in me was I've done this wall before. I know I can do it again. Yeah. So I waited for her to finish and I cheered her on, which I enjoyed that too. But I took a break there, and, you know, Twister and Olympus were right next to each other. Yeah. And my arms were already getting tired because I didn't make the Tarzan swing on the second lap. And luckily, that was the only thing I failed. And right at, there was a water station right in between Olympus and Twister. And I remember I went to that water station after completing Olympus, and I grabbed two cups of water and there was like some little house, hut, or something right mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. But there was some steps right there. I sat on those steps, and I drank those two cups of water. I was probably sat there for, I don't know, a minute and a half, two minutes. And, you know, because I was resting my arms for that twister. And I was glad I did, because I always go backwards on twister and lock off. And by the time I got to that third section... I couldn't hold myself up in a lock-off position anymore. I had to switch to doing it sideways. And I was able to finish it doing sideways, but I thought, oh, shit, I'm about to fail this. And uh, But I made that, and I sat down on the mile 12 hill. There was a good little spot that had been where everybody was stepping, and I turned around and sat there for about a minute. And then... I got up and did that, and then I'm sure everybody that did the sandbag remembers that rock that was about yeah. three-quarters of the way up the hill. I was dead tired when I got there, and I knew I was that close to the finish, and I didn't care. I, I turned around and sat on that rock with that sandbag, and I probably didn't sit down for 30 seconds, but I sat there. You know, I sat, and that's what, I don't know, it just, it, I just felt like that race kicked my ass. Yeah. Even though I did good. 
And, you know, when it was my best, you know, most of the time I, I fail more obstacles when I go there. But I only failed one obstacle. And I think in 2019 I failed four. I think I failed the spear once. I failed the rig twice. And I failed the Tarzan once. Mm-hmm. And my time was better in 2019 than it was at this race by like 20 minutes. I think this race was just harder. It was harder. It was just harder. To me. Way more uphills. I mean, the weather sucked in 2019, but to me, this race was harder because of the the, the hills, the climbing. Yeah. It just, it definitely hit my legs hard. I don't know. I was tired too. I just remember. going up. All I wanted to do was sit down. Yeah. And when I crossed that finish line, that's what I did. I went over there where I think Scott Lemos was over there. Yeah, he was. And I laid down on the ground because that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to lay down. I wanted to sit down. (laughs) That's all I wanted to do. And I was so happy that I was about to be able to do that because I was wasted. And Should have went me. and jumped in the lake just to kind of chill out a little I bit. I didn't want to walk all the way to where oh, the lake yeah. was at. Should have got like a nice ice bath or something like that. Now, I remember walking over to Scott and them, and you were sitting there on the ground. I think you were laid out. I was. I was laying on the ground talking to people by the fence. Yeah, I remember. And it was cool because Josh uh, Fiore come over there, and he was congratulating me on the race and everything he got first on elite which i knew he would because that's his yeah, that's his course there me. i was like Go he's Josh. badass yeah it was cool that y'all were able to get your medals too super early instead of having to wait like we did the last time because oh, y'all yeah. didn't get them until like 10 or 11 o'clock and i know 2019 i know somebody said something about since i placed first in my age group i was gonna have to come back and do the ultra next year to uh oh what's it called what do you call it I'm having brain fart. To redeem yourself? I mean, no, no uh, it's not that. What do you call it when you got to protect your title or whatever? Oh, yeah. I or something like that. It. And I said, no, I'm going out on top. <laughs> <laughs> going out on top for my age group. Somebody yeah. can have first place next year because I ain't doing that shit. That's funny. <clears throat> you know, but, and it's like the first year we went to New Jersey, like, we did the ultra. In 2017, we went there and we did back-to-back beast for Saturday and Sunday. And there was a piece of me that was like, man. You didn't feel fulfilled? No, I mean, I felt fulfilled. But I just like, man, I should have done the ultra, you know. You didn't feel fulfilled. Yeah, but I mean, I still felt good. I was okay, all right? Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, you know, when you choose not to do an ultra, but you still go to that race, it's like, man, I could have done the ultra, you know. Yeah. I'm sure I'll feel that if we go to Killington in 2022, but I'll get over it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, Michael I'm going to talk you into it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he won't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Y'all hear this? Mark, mark my words. Scott, Le- Scott Lemos recorded me on phone I saying know he did. That, that I was not going to do it again. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to do it in 2022. Did he send you, you the video of it? I don't know he didn't. Oh, we'll have to ask him. To I told the video. I told Michael and Patrick both that if I sign up for the 2022 Ultra in Killington, that I will pay for their entry to do it for 2022. Yeah. That's how positive 
I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a year off. Okay. So if we go back, I'm gonna make sure that Patrick and Michael finish. Is Patrick gonna go back? I don't know. But if they choose, if we go back in 2022, I'm gonna make sure that Michael and Patrick finish. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to run my beast course and then I'm going to be there at all the obstacles to cheer them on in the best way that I know how. Wait, cheer Michael on? Yes. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> like cracking jokes and hacking no, him and I'm going to video him at all the carries exactly, and make sure he's not putting his bucket down and taking like a three minutes to shake the sandbag perfectly flat before he puts it on his shoulders and walks crazy. off. Y'all love each other. I know, we had, I know, and that was a cool picture you got of us in the bunk beds at our Airbnb. Oh yeah, looking like stepbrothers. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I'm pretty sure if Michael's bed was big enough, you'd probably be curled up right next to him. Yeah, but honestly, like last thoughts, Killington Ultra is it's a serious race, and like there ain't no. There ain't no half-ass in this race. I mean, you got to bring your A game. You got to be prepared to suffer. You got to be prepared to be stubborn enough to to finish, even though you want to quit, even though you're tired of it, even though you're like, I'm I'm hating this right now. You know, that's me. I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to that. Yeah. About like I I want to finish it. You know, if I'm not like extremely hurt or extremely cold like i will push myself through to finish i might it might take me forever but you know so and like it was weird like i could tell just walking around the venue after i finished like it was known that this was a tough race yeah like Cause just walking around, I've never done an ultra where just walking around the venue with the buckle around my neck, I got so many just congratulations. Yeah, like I didn't know. I remember that. Like I was like, I ain't never had so many people just in the crowd say congratulations, even in past years being there. You know, you know, because last time we were there, we had to wait around until like ten o'clock before they did the age group awards, and I don't remember like. I just don't remember the... Well, I mean, it's like we said earlier. I mean, we were told that there was, like, what, less than 35%, less than 32% people completed that race. What was, like, 400 and something Yeah. started it, it was, and only, yeah. like, 100 and something finished or whatever it was. I can't uh-huh. remember the exact number, but, I mean, that's, that's a shit ton of people. But, yeah, like, it got me. It, like, to me... This was the hardest Killington I've done there. Like emotionally, it it broke me down. And at the end of the race, after like it was starting to sink in that I fixed it, like I'd already picked up my buckle and everything. And I remember walking the bag check, and I was just like, it was just freaking weird. Like I just felt like I was about to start crying, and I didn't know why. Yeah. And, like, I never cry. You know that. Unless no. it's, like, the final scene of Braveheart or something. Whatever. And what is shit sad? You didn't. I've never seen you cry. I know, because you weren't paying attention to the last scene of Braveheart. <laughs> Whatever. It's, like, one of the best movies ever. I did pay attention to it, but you didn't cry. 
I almost four did. years. We I've never seen you cry. I said I almost did. When he's well, I've like, never even seen you get close to him. When he's like laying on the table, he's gutted like a fish, and he still manages to scream out freedom. Yeah, it's just sad. <laughs> <clears throat> but so uh, crazy. Yeah, I don't like I said. It was weird, and like it was messing with me bad because I just remember walking the bag check, and I was like, just about to start crying, and it was just. I was like, why do I feel this way? I didn't understand it. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. I guess it was just because just a sigh of relief that yeah. I knew that that race was over and I was done. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. It was it was so freaking weird. Well, I think because I'm not like I'm not that type of person. I'm not like that. I think like it's that. like what you said in general. Everybody knew how fucking hard that course was. Yeah, it's pretty Everybody hard. knew in that venue. Spectators, racers, every all of them. They all knew how hard that course was. And it's it right. Was. There was a sigh of relief, or maybe it was appreciation of the course, and maybe it was enough. You know, strengthen yourself to know that you completed it and right. finished it. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, and, and it's and it's like you said. You know, we went back the next day, and I talked to a lot of people that were upset about cutoffs too. And you know, it it it, it does suck, but it's it's just one of those things where you know Michael's done the race before, and he's and he's you know come up short twice now, but he knows he can do it, and it's just one of those things where. It's just, you just have to keep trying, you know, and, you know, just put in the, a little bit more training, you know, get a little more comfortable in the obstacles, get a little bit more comfortable running downhills, get a little bit more comfortable going uphills, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't run no steep hills at all, but it was the hills that weren't steep that I was running. Yeah. You know, it's just doing a little bit of hill running. You know, where it was just a slow uphill grade, you know? Yeah. I mean, you just had to kind of run when you could feel it, you know? Nothing crazy, you know? Don't go to, go out too hot. You got to go out, you know, modest and aerobically, you know? Because it's a long day. It's yeah. the longest day ever. <clears throat> yeah, my only goal for when we did Killington this last weekend was just to finish. Be- yeah, beat my time from the year before, and I did. It went by much, but I beat it, and that's all that mattered. Yeah, like, I mean... I didn't care. Back of the pack, I didn't care. If I came in last in my age group, that's all right. The point of it was um, I just wanted to be faster than I was in 2019. I mean, and I was just... I mean, it was awesome. I didn't have any problems with my hamstring, but, I mean, I was, like, hoping... I was worried. I was like, man, I'd be happy if I could finish this in 12 hours because... <clears throat> I just figured it was going to flare up and I was going to have problems with it. I was even worried I might even have to tap out because when we did that sprint in West Virginia, mm-hmm. I just about couldn't run. It was so bad. I figured I was going to have problems with it for like a long time. Yeah. And it was just crazy how, you know, even running up the week to it, it was just bothering me. But I'm thinking maybe running like those three days in a row and just kind of working it out and then you know, taking the rest of the day off Thursday and then we flew Friday. Maybe it just gave me a little enough rest to get it done. But to everybody out there that's wanting to try this race, you know, I mean, even if you go there, even if you don't finish it, it's still an epic race. And I promise you, you'll enjoy it because 
it's beautiful up there. It's a fun venue. It's a legendary venue. And uh, it's always a fun time and everybody's suffering together. I definitely think it's one of the races that everybody needs to experience. Once, yeah. yeah exactly. At least once. Yeah. You maybe maybe not the ultra, I mean, no. but just go there and do the beast. Yeah. <coughs> I think it's fun. I mean, it's just a pretty place. It's one of my favorite places to go. It's definitely, so. definitely cool racing. You know, we're getting on an hour and ten minutes here. Is there any other questions you have for me? No, honey, I think that's it. Okay. Appreciate your time. Quit flirting with me. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to thank everybody that come up to me and, you know, tell me that they listen to the podcast. I love listening to, uh, I mean, I love hearing from all of y'all out there. I really enjoyed running with uh, Mark Nealon. That was the first time I met him. And uh, it was super cool because he had told me he missed a Tarzan swing on the first try. And then I missed it on the second one, and I was just barely ahead of him. And I was backstroking to the buoy, and I remember seeing him go up on it. And uh, he had got like halfway through those ropes and missed a rope, and he was dangling by one rope, and he was managed to grab the next rope and go all the way and hit the uh -huh. bell. And I was just in the water just screaming Calling as loud as I could, and I just thought that was super awesome. That's so really cool. I was glad I got to see that. Mark was a cool guy. And uh, we talked a lot of way. I got to hang out with Izzy and uh, saw a bunch of people on the race. Uh, mm -hmm. I hung out with Chance, Matt Angler, and uh, met some new guys. Uh, met a guy named Richie, a guy named Adam. Like, I met a bunch of new friends out there, and it was cool. And we was all out there struggling, and it was fun. I mean, and like I said, you know, if you go to this race and just be like, oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, and I want to win my age group and blah, 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 it's... I mean, that's cool, but to me, like, I've just about gotten to where all the races I do, I, go, I plan on going to have fun. My goal is to be burpee-free, everything else is a bonus. At Killington Ultra, my plan is to finish, and everything is a bonus. But, you know, I talk to people because it makes the race fun, and I like making new friends, because to me, going to these races and hanging out with the friends before and after mm -hmm. is the best part about the race. Because if I didn't meet all the friends that I've met at these races, I don't know if I'd still be doing it. I probably would, but it's just so much funner <coughs> to see somebody I know in the middle of a race and cheer them on. Mm -hmm. Because I'd be like, I know that guy. And then after the race, I can talk to them about how their race went. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> because I just, it's just, I don't know, that's what I like. It's fun. Cool. Why are you looking at me like that? Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not looking at you any kind of way. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, like I said, we'll be at Savage next, next weekend. Uh, I think so. Savage next weekend, Nashville, Super and Sprint, uh, Conyers, Super and Sprint, and the Carolina Ultra, and either the Beast or Sprint on Sunday, if I feel like it. Yeah, I won't be in Carolina. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I But anyway, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we'll see you at next race. Later. Peace. <laughs>